Welcome back, everyone, to Highlighted and All Sports Culture Podcast. Me, Sam, and today's a special day as there's no Sully on the podcast. Uh, but today we'll be doing our top five position or positional rankings for the NFL draft. We have a very busy April schedule for the podcast, which is going to be all draft related. So I guess April is the month for the NFL draft on this podcast. We got so much, you know, we have some interviews with some players. We got some analysts coming on just so much. And if you're not listening to the podcast, you're doing something wrong. So make sure you're staying up to date with this. But like we said in this episode, positional rankings for the NFL draft prospects. We'll start with the quarterback and, you know, we'll go through running back wide receiver and so on and so forth. And we'll go through all the positional rankings, you know, pretty self-explanatory, but like I said, we'll start with quarterback and we'll start with five and make our way up to one. So five with quarterback, I have Mac Jones. Uh, yes, I do too. All right, cool. Number four, I have Zach Wilson. Trey Lance. Oh, brutal. Yeah, okay. I, I, I switched it back. In my video, I put I put them like 0.5 difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I switched it back. I'm yeah. sorry. but well, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. Uh, so, yeah, with three, Justin Fields. Zach Wilson. Two, I have Trey Lance. Two, I have Justin Fields. And then one, we have Trevor Lawrence. I'm glad we can at least agree on that because – we could agree on one and five. At least yeah. you could agree on that. All right. So I will say this. I'll, I'm going to guess. I'm going to talk about Lance because that's kind of where we had the biggest, you know, disagreement on. I've been loving Lance. Anyone who knows anything about me knows I've been a fan of Lance for an extreme amount of time now. Going back to last season, we saw when he won the FCS National Championship in 2019, I believe it was. Um, you know, he, he had an unbelievable season. The Bison went 15-0, and 28 throwing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, 14 rushing, no interceptions. It was an unbelievable year by Trey Lance. And a lot of analysts, I know Daniel Jeremiah said this, and I can vouch and agree with this. Um, if Trey Lance played in 2020, obviously we didn't get to see that. We only get the, got to saw one game from him because of the COVID situation with the FCS. He would be the second quarterback off the board. And, you know, I completely – think that's the case obviously we saw the emergence of you know Zach Wilson and you know we already saw what Justin Fields brought to the table and not to discredit those guys because I think all four of these quarterbacks have the potential to be extremely great in the NFL but Trey Lance to me obviously he has he has the tools to be very successful it's just if he can incorporate that in his NFL game um, he's kind of a, I guess you could say a raw prospect. He needs to fix a little things. And I think in the right situation, hopefully a team like Carolina, even San Francisco with the third overall pick, I think that he could excel extraordinary. So Trey Lance is my number two. And that's kind of why I'm feeling that. Uh, yeah. For Trey Lance, I still like Trey Lance. Like, I feel like there are some people who like look at the draft and like, you know, the quarterbacks in this class, I feel like there's a pretty big disparity among everyone past Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, most people have Zach Wilson too, obviously, but like everything is mixed after Mm -hmm. him essentially. And so if I have like, for example, I think Daniel Jeremiah has Justin Fields four. like I have him as two, 
He has him as four. I'm not telling him he hates Justin Fields because Justin Fields is still, I think, top 10 on his board. So, like, people need to realize that just because a player is the fourth ranked out of their top five in that position does not mean that they dislike them at all. They just have certain preferences. And it's just impossible to rank these guys in any correct order. Oh, yeah, I... I have struggled mightily <laughs> with ranking these guys. Um, but Trey Lance, I I really like him. Uh, I agree. I think he's got so much upside in the league. It's just certain things. You know, we haven't seen him play a lot. And I know you can, you can really use that argument against a lot. But remember, he's playing FCS and he hasn't played a ton. So we don't have a giant ass catalog for him. I think his accuracy is very on and off. I mean, it's not pretty sometimes. And sometimes it's beautiful. Like he just needs to get more consistent with that. And there are some games where he is really shoddy. And uh, I also think he's a little slow to read the field sometimes. And that's really about it for Trey Lance. I mean, everything else about him, you you really can fall in love with his traits. And if a team is going to use a top five pick on him, I totally understand it. Like I definitely would. Uh, it's just, I think the guys above him have shown more in terms of other aspects of their games. And uh, that's why I got him at four. But I know you really like him. I can totally see why mm-hmm. you have him that high. Right. He's got like unreal traits. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to make a case for Justin Fields, but then I just want to point to my video because like, I think he's perfect. Well, the thing is like Justin Fields and it's weird because he was the consensus, at least QB, you know, at the very lowest QB three going into the season, probably QB two. And like I said, some people vouch that Lance was QB two, but Trevor and Fields were like the two main guys. And it's not even like Fields had this bad season. I mean, he went to the national championship game and had an unbelievable year and he could have been like anyone else. And he could have sat out the 2020 season but he was one of these strong guys to want to have a season. Him and Trevor were coordinating that this college football season go on. And we have to thank him for actually having that, you know, transpire. And it's like after a year where he had a very good season, people are less on him, which makes absolutely no sense. And I I think people just automatically, you know, want to assume that he's not a, you know, he's terrible after the first read. And that's like the biggest thing that's bad about him, but Dan Orlovsky broke it down very well. I don't know if you watched it on NFL Live, where he was like, if you actually look at the film and go in depth with it, he's better than a lot of people have. And it's just this random persona that people have on him. I don't understand the criticism towards Fields. Um, and, exa- and, you know, I look at, you know, the game against Clemson. That's like the best game I'd say he's had in his college football career. He threw for what, six touchdowns, I think it was. Yeah, it was nuts. It was an unbelievable <laughs> game. And, you know, everyone thought that. And not to discredit Trevor, because I think Trevor's the easily the number one overall pick, but so many people just say that they won't even throw any, you know, you know, they won't bash Trevor at all. And obviously I understand that, but it's like Trevor in 2019 and 2020 got outplayed at the quarterback position twice. You know, it was Joe Burrow. And then obviously it was Justin Fields. And like I said, I don't want to discredit them, but we have to applaud Justin Fields for outperforming Trevor there. And some people still want to discredit him, say he's overrated. And I don't personally get it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 
very sick and tired of seeing Justin Fields slander. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he is as talented a prospect as any in this class. Mm-hmm. I mean, time and time again, he's shown that he can perform at an elite level with elite competition and perform really damn well, but he's only allowed to have one. He can only not have a bad game. You know, he's had two bad games last year and, you know, they were against two of the best defenses in college football. Uh, (laughs) I mean, there are things about him that he needs to sure up. And I mean, he has to read the field faster in the next level. I mean, that's just for sure. But I agree with what you were saying that the whole thing about him just being a one read quarterback is just not true. It's just not, he can definitely develop his reads and his progressions and he's ridiculously accurate when he's going past the first read. Like he's, exceptional his depth of target isn't amazing he definitely could push the ball a little more when he does that but after his first read he gets the ball to a receiver that's for sure and I think he's the most accurate quarterback in the class I think he's got one of the best arms in the class I mean physical traits galore out of this guy and you just you want to put him in there. He's super accurate, has all the tools you want. And all you have to do is just make him see the field better and read a little quicker. I'm taking that every single time, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that's why I think it's kind of ridiculous that some people are like, Oh, he can't fit in Shanahan's office. Every quarterback can work yeah. in Shanahan's offense. That's why I hate the stupid Mac Jones is the best fit at number right. three. And it's just like, uh, yeah, so we'll move on after this, but I do want to say one last thing. You know, as the great Lewis Reddick always says, scout the player, not the helmet. And so many people just want to criticize Fields because he's this Ohio State quarterback. You know, obviously Ohio State quarterbacks haven't really worked down the NFL, but we can't discredit him because of solely that reason. Yeah, and I do want to ask you one last thing before we switch. Mm-hmm. Um this is kind of a little off topic, but not really. It pertains to Mac Jones at three. Okay. Do you think that this is this year's Daniel Jones, the Giants, where it's like, this is so ridiculous that no one's probably going to believe it, but it's actually true. I, well, I've been saying, and you know, I've said it on the podcast, I think Mac Jones will go three. I don't agree with it, but I just think that it's going to be a situation where it happens. Colin Coward's been saying it on this podcast. You know, he's been saying like, if Mac Jones, goes to three then that's going to be the craziest thing that's ever happened and it's like because mac jones we were saying even after the national championship game he was only really that successful because of the talent around him and you know we can obviously go against that saying mac jones has quality traits to his game and that while you know he does have that supporting cast at the same time he's still a good quarterback but to go up to number three and i think and i was calling this i was like I kind of think as the draft slowly goes on, it's he's kind of going to rise and rise a little bit. And then at that time, I really think they're going to pull the trigger and take him with the third overall pick. I think it's going to be shocking. I think Niners fans are going to hate it. And then they're going to kind of come accustomed to it. So I think that's, I, I think Daniel Jones kind of is a good comparison. Obviously the funniest thing when Daniel Jones was picked was he saw MetLife stadium, just Aurora with booze. Yeah. Um, and maybe that'll happen in the whole city of San Francisco, but yeah. Um, well, especially for the fact that they traded three first round picks, right? When the you Giants didn't trade anything, right? And you probably could have, I don't know, I don't think they would have gotten them at yeah. 12, but you could maybe that could have happened. 
I mean, and the kind of the same thing was with the Daniel Jones pick. I mean, people thought you could get Jones at 17, but they pulled the trigger. Uh, apparently, at no team was really looking at him. Right. Uh, like I saw a rumor that Washington was on him, but obviously they had their eyes set on Haskins. So it's like, what a shame. I mean, <laughs> either or you don't really win much. Yeah, exactly. You just get to keep Daniel Jones for longer right as, on. based on how it's going right now. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right, running backs. Yeah, so I'll start. Number five, Kenny Gainwell. Okay, I've got Michael Carter. I have Michael Carter at four. I've got Kenneth Gainwell at four. Okay, Najee Harris at three. Oh my God, what? Yes. Okay, uh, I have Etienne at three. Ooh, I have Javante at two, Travis at one. I have Javante at two, Najee at one. So we basically just flipped Travis. What? Okay, Najee. what What do you not like about Najee? I want to know. But that's the thing. That's the thing. You said oh, okay. It's, I know what you mean, but I mean, what about Najee puts him below Javante? Because Javante and Najee, I view very similarly, and I like their style of play more than ETN's style of play. That's why I have both of them above ETN, even mm-hmm. though I really like ETN. It's just a preference of style of running yeah. back for me. But I'm interested. So is it just you think you like ETN's style? So yeah, I have ETN at one. And obviously we saw that after the 2020 camp or 2019 campaign, people thought maybe Travis would declare he came back for a senior season, had an unbelievable year. And the biggest thing that he got better at was obviously, you know, like you said, what do I value and his ability to catch the ball and be a running back that is able to be dominant in the passing game is something I value. And I think that'll translate very well to the NFL. And then you look at number two, I have Javante Williams. And kind of the biggest thing for me is, you know, I don't want to look too much into it, but I also got to, you know, he was splitting carries with Michael Carter, obviously, you know, them two is the one, two duo back in Carolina. And it's like, I would love to see Javante be that number one guy on a team. And then obviously, you know, I'm not looking too much into that because them two together was unbelievable. It's why UNC was the top 10 team in the country. They're going to be very fun next year, even losing both of them. But regardless, I, I, I kind of look into that. Najee Harris, though, I mean, and that's the thing. You were saying that and not saying, you know, not discrediting you and you were like, you know, what do you don't like about him? It's not that I don't like Najee. Because yeah, like, I kind of I just said that. No, yeah, yeah, right. I get it. That but that's the bad. thing is like, I don't dislike him. I think he's unbelievable. We obviously saw what he brought to the table in the whole year. And that's why Alabama was so dominant. We saw his hurdle against Notre Dame, the athleticism. He shows the power, obviously, with him being his height and weight. Unbelievable, but it's kind of the thing. Javante would love to see. And obviously, you know, Javante was one of those guys. He was probably RB3, RB4. But as time went on, people fell in love with him, including me, to have him at RB2. So that's kind of where I have him at. But you can't go wrong with all three of these. And I want to say something. I want to say something about Gainwell because you know some people don't have him in the top five. I know you have him at four. I have him at five. He didn't play in the 2020 season. Obviously, he opted out. Um, so I think some people may forget the name in that sense. But unbelievable what he did for Memphis. Obviously, Memphis was an extraordinary team getting to the Cotton Bowl against Penn State in 2019. So it goes to show how good Memphis was. He had 13 touchdowns, I think, that year. Touchdown machine. I think he had like what 1300 yards or something like that. So he was yeah. extremely productive. And I think that this guy is going to be unbelievable in the draft um, and at the next level. Yeah. So I'll speak on game well a little bit later, but for Najee and Javante, um, I just really like that style of play from a running back, just a guy you can have on the field every down 
and they can basically do everything you want them to do. Uh, they're big enough to hold up in the passing game. They're, they have run good enough routes to be really good in the passing game. They're bruisers, so they can break tackles like hell. I mean, Javante made a very strong case for RB1 for me, but Najee was just too good for me to pass on. Um, I just love that style of running back and Javante. I feel as good about Javante as I did with Dalvin Cook in 2017, and Dalvin Cook is my RB1 that year. Um over guys like people had Fournette and McCaffrey above him. And it's just for ETN. I just, I don't know. I think he isn't going to provide a lot of third down. Like I feel like his vision's kind of wonky. Uh, it's very inconsistent. And he also, as a pass blocker, is just atrocious. He's gotten better at it, but I don't know. I just prefer like the he's uber explosive and all that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, Gainwell, I love Kenneth Gainwell. He's yeah. great. It's just like you said, he didn't play. And also Memphis used him so weirdly. <laughs> like they used him in the weirdest way possible. But I think if a team can get their hands on him, he is a prototypical modern like running back that yeah. a team would love in the modern NFL. Um, I think he's going to go day two and a lot of people don't have him going to day two, but I think he's a definitely a third round player. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Memphis running backs, Antonio Gibson. So maybe he'll, uh... I really like Gibson yeah. <laughs> right on. All right. Wide receivers be good on running backs. Yeah. All right, cool. Wide receivers. I know you're going to disagree with this one, but it's whatever. Number five, Elijah Moore. Okay. I watched him a bit more since you told me about him. Uh, yeah. He's jumped St. Brown. So he's at 10 cool. now. All right. Glad you're in the top 10. I, I still, I still <laughs> think he's kind of a pure slot that can kind of play outside a little. Yeah. Um, but I think he's like a late second, mid-second kind of guy, mm-hmm. something like that. Fair enough. All right. Who's your number five? Uh, I, I still got Rondell. All right. All right. And then number four, Bateman. Number three, Waddle. Devonta. Number two, Devonta. Number one, Chase. Waddle, Chase. All right. I'll start with this. Jamar Chase is probably the best wide receiver prospect I think I've ever watched, at least that I can remember. Unbelievable. And I understand he didn't play in 2020, but he didn't need to. And what's so unbelievable is you look at the amount of I've said this for so long. You look at the amount of talent LSU had in 2019. And I've said, I think it's the best team of all time. Obviously we saw what it was presented at, at the wide receiver possession position, obviously with Justin Jefferson. And obviously we saw what he's been doing at the next level, not even being the number one guy on the team because of a sophomore by the name of Jamar chase, you know, I'm emphasizing sophomore because the production he had at such a young age is beyond normal. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think this is the one game that stands out, but literally just watched the game against Vanderbilt where he had the four touchdowns and 200 something yards, no wide receiver, except I guess maybe Devonte Smith is putting up that kind of crazy production. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Jamar chase, unbelievable. I know some people are scared with his separation, but he's just insane. His ability to come down with catches is crazy. Um, and I will say, I know we, I've, you know, we obviously have 
you know, a difference in two and three. You have Waddle at two, and I have, you know, Devontae at two. I get it because Waddle is just a lightning bolt. I mean, the guy is just freakishly <laughs> fast, and obviously people want to bring up that he was more productive than Devontae in the first couple games that he was at Alabama this year. Um, and heading into the year, he was kind of going to be that wide receiver one. But Devontae, I just look at his production at the end of the season. And I know people are concerned with his weight, and we've talked about it on this podcast, that there's really been no wide receivers with his frame to really succeed at the next level. And that's definitely a concern. But I just look at the production, you know, even in those later games when you knew, and I, I understand Ohio State's defensive scheme against him was just weird. Um, but at the same time, you got to consider like these teams know he's going to be the best offensive player on that team. He won the Heisman and they still couldn't stop him. I mean, I just value that production so well. And obviously he was the, on paper, the best wide receiver ever. He's breaking records that like Jamar Chase broke, but I just, Devontae's unbelievable waddle. And the thing is all three, you if you kind of want to interchange with the three, I'm okay with that because they're all so good. Um, so that's kind of what I want to say about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with you having them over Waddle. I'm cool with it. You know, I don't agree with it. Uh, I still really like Devonte Smith. I think I have him ranked at a, like 11 overall, 12 overall, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jalen, I think is at six or seven, something like that. Um, but like you said, Waddle is a lightning bolt. This yeah. dude is literally everything you want now. Like he is uber fast. His routes are amazing. His hands are excellent, just like Devontae. Devontae's hands are better. I mean, Devontae has like pillows. Like, <laughs> like you're thrown to a pillow. That's yeah. essentially what you're getting with Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Waddle, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the technical ability of a receiver that you want. That's why I prefer him. I don't really mind that you have Devonte, but I want to hear about why you have Elijah Moore at five. Let's hear about that. Yeah. I've just, you saw his production last year, 1100 yards, six or seven touchdowns, what it was. And obviously we can look at other guys and they maybe had the better production just as well, but I love the idea. And I understand you said he, you see him primarily as a slot guy. You don't really see what he can do on the outside. And, I can understand that. And obviously we saw a little bit of instances at Ole Miss when he was used on the outside, but I think as a slot receiver, I think he can be unbelievably dangerous. I think he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. Obviously we have these other guys, a wide receiver that are going to be ahead of him, but just loving his game, what he did. You know, I look at the game against Bama last year when Ole Miss played him. There are many instances where he was flashing on the screen, and I just think that at the next level, he's going to translate well. Love the idea of just him being a primary slot guy. And I don't think he's going to be this wide receiver one for a team, but I think if you use him as a wide receiver two, three, he's going to be a very key addition to a squad, and I love the idea of that. Yeah, that's totally fair. I just don't think you should take non-alpha potential receivers in the first round. Um, fair yeah and i think guys like rondale moore rashad bateman mm-hmm. and even terrace marshall have got more in them when it comes to that aspect where guys like Kadarius tony and him 
don't I don't see that, you know? I see yeah. them as like versatile gadget players you kind of move around and I don't think there's value in that in round one. Um, unless you're like a contender, like really at the end of the round and he's like the missing piece. But yeah. All right. Cool. Tight ends. Tight ends. So number five, Hunter Long. Same. Oh, cool. Number four, Tommy Tremble. I got Brevin. I Brevin at three. I've got Tommy at three. <laughs> All right. Two, I have Pat. Same. Then one, I have Pitts. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> what if but I was just like... You don't have Kyle Pitts at one. I don't... What if I just I said, so yeah, you. some like random tight end. Um, won't spend much time on like Kyle Pitts because obviously, what are we going to talk about? Unbelievable talent. But you go down the list. Pat is someone... Because th- here's the funny thing. There was a conversation before the season on who was going to be the first tight end off the board, oh, Pat or yeah. Kyle Pitts. And I mean, obviously that's, that's gone, but the, it's to credit Pat because he had an unbelievable 2019 campaign and he had a pretty good solid year, but it's just Kyle Pitts was on a whole nother level. And I think if you can get a Pat Fryermuth in the second or third round, cause obviously he's probably going to be a day two guy. I think it's going to be a very good value pick. Um, you know, there's, before the season, people were questioning if he would kind of be, you know, the late first rounder, early second rounder. Then as anything happens, people skyrocket on people's boards, people slide into the first round. So he's kind of in that day two range, but I think he's going to be a great pick. Um, and then you go to like Brevin Jordan, just a freak of a guy. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, cons- I'm going to ask you, is there a reason why, why are you having tremble over Brevin? Cause I think for most people, they would have Jordan like me as their tight end three, but is there something that stands out to you about Tremble that you just like him more than Brevin? I see so much potential in Tremble. Um, I think he just wasn't used a lot in the passing game at all in Notre Dame. And it's similar to Iowa with George Kittle. They just, people are like, how did you, I remember PFF posted about George Kittle a couple of days ago and they were like, Oh, we had George Griddle graded super high in college and he's a beast in the NFL. And they're like, there's no way you had him graded this high. He went in the fifth round. He, he didn't do anything at Iowa. I'm like, guys, if you watched his tape at Iowa, Iowa just used him in line blocking pretty much the entire time and blocking all over the place. And then when he actually got featured in the passing game, he was really damn good in it. And I see that with tremble. I think Tremble could play H-back. He could play in line. He could play out. He could play in the slot. I think he could play all over the place. You could say the same about Brevin, but I just see much more upside with Tremble. And Tremble's kind of just been this guy that's been like one of my my guys during the draft process. And I've fallen completely head over heels for him. And um, yeah, uh, that's why I got him over him. It's not by a lot, but Brevin didn't test well. Um, as well as we thought he was going to test. And that's kind of, you know, kind of put it in stone. Yeah, makes sense. I will say this last thing before we move on. Um, The one thing about Tremble that concerns people, and I guess it concerns me a little bit, obviously we see what he can do from a pass blocking standpoint. That's kind of what he's known for. One of the best things he can do. Just the whole route running issue. And I obviously understand. Right. And I obviously understand it's like, I'm not going to value that only when I'm looking at a tight end. Obviously there's a lot of things that you can take into account, but that's kind of the biggest thing I am concerned with. And that's kind of why I like a Brevin Jordan over him. Cause I think he can be more dominant in that certain area, but 
that's kind of it. So, all right. Offensive tackle. Yes. All right. Number five, I have Sam Cosme. Okay. Um, I'm going back and forth on this lately, <laughs> but I have Darisaw. All right. All right. We'll get there. Yeah, right. Okay. May I, may I just say this really quick though? He's ranked 20th on my board. Okay. So I, <laughs> he's not low. <laughs> right. It's just this, this. I mean, this tackle, tackle class, class is, is absurd. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Number four, I have Dylan Radons. Ooh, I have Tevin Jenkins. Three, I have Slater. I have Elijah Vera Tucker. Two, I have Darisol. I have Slater. And then one, I have Sewell. Same. All right. Biggest this thing. Fun. Okay. Biggest thing I want to say, and I, I guess this is the one we have least controversy over, but I just want to say this. I don't understand why people are so low on Penexul. Cause I've seen loads of people. I I'm fine with like, cause I think Jeremiah is the biggest one in every one of his mocks. He has Slater over Sewell and he likes mm-hmm. Slater more. I, I'm fine with, I'm fine with that. Um, but Sewell just being like some people have on around like the 13th pick, like to the Chargers, for example, I see no way of that happening. Penny Sewell is, he is number two on my big board. I've, just falling in love with Penny Sewell. I understand he didn't play in 2020, but with a guy with that frame, with that weight, that height, and he can move and just get out in space that quickly and just be so efficient. It's just unbelievable. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, obviously, and that's the thing. I think if he would have played in 2020, I still think he would have been, I think he would have been higher than what he is. And I don't want to discredit him because he opted out just loads of fun. And then Slater, obviously is my number three, but what I love about Slater, I know you're going to say it, just how versatile he is on the offensive line. You literally could place him on any single position on the O line and he'll be dominant. Darisol though, I was watching, I just watch a lot of Virginia tech. I was watching a lot. I think I've watched, I don't know, however many games of him. He's just this. I think people are overshadowing the Slater and the Sewell over Darisaw and it's not, and obviously you're not disliking Darisaw. You like the four guys over him, but Darisaw, it's just, I think he's going to translate so well to the NFL. I think it's obviously you could say this for five guys, but I think day one, you could stick him in and he's going to be super efficient, loads of fun. And like I said, I don't want him to get overshadowed by those two guys or any of the guys, because I think he's going to be unbelievable. So he's my number two, but obviously if you have Slater over him and you have, Tim Jenkins, whoever it is, I understand it because this O-line class is just ridiculous. Yeah. So the main talking point here is our difference in Darisaw because we have someone who loves him here. I think you have him top 10, right? I have him. You probably saw my tweet. Have him at number, I did. T- have him at number 10 on my big board as of now. Yeah. Okay. I have him like low twenties, I think. Um, okay. So the thing with Darisaw is just, I see the like huge appeal with him, but when you actually watch him and break down, you kind of get a little underwhelmed. Uh, he gets a little lost a lot of times and he doesn't really know where to find his man and gets a little lost out there. Sometimes he also, he struggles a lot against speed rushers. 
So I think he actually definitely needs to improve his pass blocking because it's still, it's it's solid, but I think that's his major need and improvement for himself. But his road, his road running, his I got Brock Hampton on my mind. His <laughs> his run blocking is excellent. I mean, the dude is an absolute mauler, and I've talked about this ad nauseum for him. Um, he just has some slight issues throughout his game, and I also don't see him as a guy. Like I said, I brought up his pass blocking is what needs to be, you know, fixed up a bit. I mean, I think he's a tackle that can, you need him as a tackle for a quarterback that's going to stay in the pocket and not move around because if a quarterback moves out to whatever tackle position he's playing left or right, I think that edge rusher is going to swipe him over and completely get to the quarterback who's moving to his side. Cause I don't think he can hold up that well to moving guys around to adjusting pockets, you know, and that's just kind of why I got Darisaw at five, but I could see the appeal with him like being closer to the top 10. Um, but that's why I got him at five. It's very close between him and Tevin, but Tevin's just, Tevin's just a, so fun. I love Tevin. I know. It just, just, he's just a beast. Tevin, it's awesome. I think he's probably, he would probably be like six or seven on mine. I know he didn't listen to, or I didn't list him. Um, yeah, not much. I'll have to mention with anyone else um obviously i guess the one thing you didn't have was doing radons just what we saw at the pro day i'm taking into such account because he was just unbelievable there um and then you know watching trey lance film obviously yeah i did a bunch if i'm at qb2 allowed zero sacks for him in 2019 and was just a huge reason why trey lance was extremely successful there so kind of why i have him high i guess Oh yeah. I like radons too. So you're, you're fine, but I just have them as a second rounder um, or late first. If a team wants to take them there, this class is so good. Like there are guys that like Liam Eikenberg. I absolutely love him. I think he could be a freaking 10 year pro and he's six on my right. Tackles. And he'd nearly beat out Darisaw. I'm not even kidding, but there's just a little more upside with Darisaw, obviously. So you got to put him up there. But I mean, Liam Eikenberg, Walker Little. People have completely forgotten about how good Walker Little is. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't played in two years. And I think if a team gets him in the second round, I mean, I think you get an absolute steal there. And, you know, Brady Christensen, he's a plug and play starter. He's just 25. This, this class is absurd. It's just absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, interior interior all right number five trey smith i have white davis number four i have white davis i have quinn Myers. number three i have quinn myers oh okay uh i have trey smith at three number two creed humphrey sam number one landon dickerson my man my man putting landon dickerson your man oh i I thought you were like saying that's oh, my guy. You know, you know how much I have praised Dickerson mm-hmm. in the past. Few well, do you want to, you want to elaborate to the uh, listeners out there why you've been praising him? Oh yeah, I mean, the dude is just everything you want in your center. Mm-hmm. Like he can play across the line as well if you need him to. It's just the things that's holding him back are his injuries, and mm-hmm. everyone knows about that, and everyone's concerned about that. But from a pass blocking, a run blocking, a leadership, everything that goes into the center position, I think he 
has a very if he was healthy i would probably have him close to the top 10 i'm not even kidding i yeah i think he's exceptional it's just his injuries are holding him back and that's what's getting him so now he's around 20 for me um i definitely think he has a case to be when healthy the one of the best offensive lineman in the country and i mean he switched to alabama this year after being at florida state and florida state getting so much talent in consistently and they just never can block anyone with the guys that get in there and dickerson goes to alabama he absolutely crushes it there and that's why i mean he's just a freak He's an well, you see, Florida State has a case for uh, wasting talent and potential. In case oh, you just, just, just a bit. Just, just a little bit. bit. Um, but, yeah, nothing – I mean, I completely agree with you. That's why I have him as number one. Obviously, Creed Humphrey, number two. I won't spend too much time onto that. But Quinn – I don't even know how to know, pronounce his last name. Miners. Miners. Um, obviously, I'm guessing that was the guy you were talking about pre, uh, pre-pod. It was. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, obviously – going into the season and basically throughout the course of the season, didn't hear much about him because he's this G three athlete going to Wisconsin whitewater. But I mean, pro day was basically where we got to see what he was capable of showing. Then you go back and watch the film. He has this perfect size and athleticism that I think is going to translate extremely well in the NFL. Um, Been rising up on my board and I know he's rising up on many other people's boards. So big fan of him. And I think that, you know, whichever team. And I think he's going to kind of go higher than some people think in this draft, just because I think that there's a lot of scouts, like I've said, that fallen in love with him and what he did in the pro day. And kind of, even though that going on during the course of the season, not many people were paying attention to him, but if you go back and see what he was doing, there, easily the best player on the field every day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Whitewater season got canceled this year. So they, didn't play obviously so mm-hmm. he just took the time to get in absolute peak shape for him i mean he's a complete beer belly forest dude from wisconsin northern wisconsin where they just live in the woods it, that's all there it is in the cold and he absolutely embraces it and it just completely translates to his play on the field mm-hmm. um he played guard at whitewater but i think at the nfl i think he's be a center I think he's going to be an, if he goes to like a zone blocking scheme, I think he's going to feast in it. Um, and I, he's got rare athletic traits. Now it's hard to believe is Creed Humphrey tested better than him. Creed Humphrey tested like out of this world and Quinn Miners did as well. And I mean, you just got to love like players with that attitude, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to get out of the second round. Quinn Miners. Yeah. I, I, at most top 75 at yeah. most. Well, whatever team gets them is going to be happy because I think he's going to be an unbelievable pick. All right, move on. Should we do defensive end? Or defensive defensive tackle? line. Defensive okay. line, yeah. Okay. All right. Number, number five, Marvin Wilson. Oh, okay. Uh, I got Davion Nixon. Number four, <laughs> Jay Tufele. Did I say that right? Tufele, yeah. I mean, I, I've i gone Tufele. Tufele. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, just... if anyone listens to the podcast, they know how bad my pronunciation skills are, so I don't even try. Uh, I have Milton Williams at four. Okay. All right, number three, I'm not even going to try. Levi Owuzuriki. Close enough. 
Sure, cool. I have Osa Odigazua at three. Two, I have Davion Nixon. Two, I have Levi. Then one, Barmore. Yeah, I have Barmore as well. All right, so I'm glad we agree with that. Uh, Nixon, though, I mean, don't tell this to Parker because obviously he'll tell you how much he loves Davion Nixon, what he brought to Iowa. But I will say a special shout-out to Nixon because he he reposted the uh, ASC best defensive draft prospects, so you already got to be a fan of him. I think he's unbelievable, though. I won't spend extreme amount of time on him. And obviously, we disagree on a lot of the defensive tackles. But at the same time, you can kind of go in any position. There's a lot, loads of talent at the defensive interior line. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I guess you can understand where people are coming from, even with different players in that spot. Yeah, I like him. I just think he's a pure three tech. You know, that's... That's really about it for Davion Nixon. Whereas guys like Milt Williams, Oso, Digazua, I think are so you can move them all over the place on that defensive line. I think Milt Williams is a, a lot of people aren't talking about him. He's getting traction as of late since his testing numbers came out and he's absolutely crushing <laughs> the testing. I don't know if you, if you've seen his numbers, but they're ridiculous. And um, you know, Osa, I think he's going to go to like some like Vic Fangio scheme and just feast in it because he'd be as like a five tech. Yeah. Oh my God. He'd be great. And uh, you know, Levi, he's just a dominant nose. Can't have enough of those in the NFL. I think he'd be awesome. And uh, we've seen him be dominant and he just didn't play this year. And uh, do we need to talk about Barmore? No. Barmore is pretty great. And that just goes to show how unbelievable Bama was. <laughs> Why do you have Marvin Wilson at five? He had a horrible year for he his did. Players. He did. Um, obviously, you know, very disappointing year. Um, obviously, suffered the season-ending leg, leg injury. Um, but even before that, I think in 2019, we saw the potential he could bring. And I don't want people to really solely focus on, like, the 2020 campaign or kind of what it was after that. Um, and obviously you have to take that into account, but what I saw in 2019, because a lot of people had Marvin Wilson as that number one, number two guy for the interior line. Um, and obviously he can fall because of a disappointing 2020 season, but the 44, ta- 44 tackles, I think it was five sacks, whatever it was, um, had a very respectable 2019 campaign. And I know we joked about it that Florida state had no, um, you know, they waste so much talent in the world. And I guess you could make the case for that in 2020. But I think he was one of the only bright spots in that 2019 campaign. And I think that, like I said, going into the season, I know it was an underwhelming season, had the injury. But I think that if you look at what he produced in the past, I'm not going to ignore that. And I think some people are quick to forget about that. So he's my fifth guy. And I know some, a lot of people aren't high on him. And I think that he's kind of just, this overrated prospect and i can completely understand with that um but kind of i guess higher on him as some people are so kind of where i'm coming from it's fair cool all right edge Edge. cool number five i have arguably the best player in the class peyton turner (laughs) (laughs) uh friend of the podcast peyton turner the goat the goats and he's going what you say i i want to say he crushed his pro day today he did that he did great and uh if if he goes to like a division rival of any of us we're gonna root for him no matter what exactly 
he's he's the goat um but Peyton did not make my top five. I'm oh sorry. my goodness. Uh, as long as he made the big board, that's fine. It's he fine. made the top 100. He did. He did. Round of applause for that one. Top 100 <laughs> coming soon. Uh, my number five is Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. All right. Number four, Carlos Basham. I love that. Thank you. Love that. I love Appreciate me some Boogie Basham. <laughs> I love me some Boogie Basham. I have him, um, I think, 50th on my board i love him uh i number four i've got aziz Ajulari. number three greg rousseau same number two jalen phillips i got quitty pay number one quitty pay jalen phillips all right so not too much disagreement on this one i think we not, uh, not really just i mean this edge class is ridiculous ridiculous just like the tackle class a lot of a lot of great position groups in this draft it's gonna be a fun draft i am it's it's really deep at a lot of areas mm-hmm, it is um i'll say i know you love jalen phillips um i have him at number two you have him at number one i guess you'll go into that specifically but i love quitty pay k witty pay i don't know whatever it is but regardless absolute freak um you look at the game against minnesota and as the mm-hmm. game went on, obviously he started off slow, but as the game went on, he was just an unbelievable force. I uh, can do so much. Um, he's my edge one, and I understand if you have him at two, whatever. Um, I'll talk about Greg Rousseau a little bit, though, because some people aren't high on Greg Rousseau. And, you know, obviously we saw like Bengal make why he's one of the most overrated prospects in the draft. You know, some people aren't a fan of him, and I, I get it. Um, is extremely raw prospect, but the 15 and a half sacks don't go unnoticed and we can't ignore them. And what he did at Miami, obviously we didn't see any of that in this, you know, 2020 campaign, but I mean, just an absolute productive beast. Now I understand you're going to have some concerns and obviously, you know, he's not even the best edge apparently on that team as we have Jalen Phillips ahead of him. But I just think that with some people discredit him, discrediting him to a very high extent i don't really get it um so i'm gonna just wanted to show some respect to my boy greg yeah a lot of people forget that even though greg rousseau has only had like one year of production that was freshman tape essentially right i mean he's got so much room to grow and i know i've kind of been like a, a couple of months back i was like eh, not too big on greg rousseau i'm on the jalen phillips train i still am obviously uh but the greg rousseau i've come around to him because i feel like he's got such rare blend of length and size and all these tools that you can get with him that could really make for a special player that you can you know play on the end or on the inside whatever i feel like he can move along the line if you need him to and what is he 20? I think he's 20. I yeah. mean, he, he's got tons of time to figure it out. And I think he could, but I'll go back to Jalen Phillips. And as someone who's been on the Jalen Phillips uh, train for a long time, I'm glad people are finally waking up to him and putting him <laughs> at the top of their edge rankings, because a lot of people didn't even have him the first round up until like few, the past few weeks. Um, tape wise, he is the best edge rusher in this class by far. If you ask me, like for sure uh it's just the concussions um a lot of people are like oh concussions 
They're going to hold him back on my rankings. I would be a little remiss. Well, UCLA forced him to retire. He didn't decide to retire. UCLA just decided to like, kick him out the door to like retire him. And he's like, I want to play football still. It's concussions. I'm used to them. It happens in football. And so he went to Miami, completely destroyed it in Miami. And um, I, yeah, I like, I don't, I've talked so much about Jalen Phillips. I want you to talk about Boogie Basham because oh. I love me some Boogie Basham. Unbelievable. Um, I think he had a pretty good 2020 campaign. Obviously we saw what he could do from the 2019 campaign uh, His run def- defense solid. And then obviously the 64 tackles, but I think in 2020, just his ability to get to the quarterback was doing a lot better than what I saw in the 2019 campaign. He was producing a lot more pressure. Um, and then obviously we saw what he could bring to the table at the senior bowl. Um, kind of the overall status as the year went on, he was unbelievable. And like I said, to knock it off with the whole senior bowl. Great. Um, Wake Forest obviously didn't have a lot of, um, you know, highlights to their year, but he was obviously one of them. Uh, so big fan. Notice he wasn't in your top five, though. So he's at, I think, six, six or seven. Fair enough. Him, Jason Away, and Joseph Osai are right next to each other. Yeah. Um, I think he's at like number six or seven, something like that. Um, it's just, uh, I love uh, this edge class, is just like the tackle class. There's so many guys that deserve to go in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just wish. Basham would have played all of 2020, but what are you going to do about it? All right, linebacker. I'll start. Okay. Number five, I got Cam McGrone. I have Jabril Cox. Like it. Number four, I got Jamin Davis. Okay. So I have Joseph Asai. Would that count for edge, though? I wasn't really thinking about that one. I put him at edge, but I think – okay. So he started out. As an off-ball linebacker, then they moved him to edge this past year, and he was great. I still think he could play off-ball linebacker. I think a team like New England, like the Miami Dolphins, are going to take him and have him play like that Kyle Van Noy role. Mm -hmm. I think that's his best role in the NFL. But if you want to put him there, do what you want. Um, Fair enough. All right, I'll keep it. uh, Even though I don't think that's – I was more looking at off-ball, but that's all right. But, yes, I have John Davis at four. So number three, I have Zayvon Collins. Jermaine Davis. Wow, you don't have Zayvon Collins in your top five. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, I got Micah Parsons at two. JOK at two. Then oh, Micah wow. Parsons at one. I got JOK at one. Okay. All right. I'll start this with Micah Parsons because JOK, we've both said how much we love him. So I won't we won't bash about how much we love him because it's pretty self-explanatory, but Micah Parsons, and obviously I'm not, I'm going to make the assumption that even though he's not your number one, you still think he's this incredible. Oh prospect. yeah. I, I have him like right outside the top 10 and I have JOK at 10. Yeah. So. so Micah Parsons, I've said this, I said it on the podcast a little a couple episodes ago, or even on the mock drafts, just a tackling beast. Um, and I just wish he would have played in the 2020 season because people forget about him. Um, and they shouldn't because Micah Parsons was easily a top five prospect going into this year. And like I said, if you opt out, obviously people will rise on boards and whatnot, but I think that he's going to be unbelievable in the NFL. Don't want people to forget about him. 
JLK, like I said, won't spend too much time about him. But, I mean, this guy is going to do anything you want on the defensive side of the ball. He can line up on the line. He can play coverage. There's just He's just a weapon on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's just extremely fun to watch. The game against Clemson, he's a hard hitter. I mean, there's literally nothing you could ask for more out of this guy. And he's going to literally, you could just do what, whatever you want with him in the uh, pros. Obviously, he's kind of similar to Isaiah Simmons in that role. Um, Jermaine Davis, though, I'll talk a little bit about him because he is skyrocketing on people's boards. Had an unbelievable pro day for Kentucky. And as he should, I mean, I think that going into this kind of whole draft process, people weren't talking about him. And now there's a potential chance that he'll slip into the top or the first round. So I'm glad that's finally being recognized. And I was one of those guys didn't recognize the amount of talent he had until as of late, but whoever gets some is going to get a guy. And some people are casing for him to be a linebacker too, but I think linebacker three is kind of where I'm settled with him. Yeah. Uh, I won't talk about Micah Parsons at all. Cause you laid it out. I, everyone knows about Micah Parsons. He's awesome. I mean, it's just, I love me some hybrid linebackers. I, I love them. I love them so much. I adored Isaiah Simmons last year. So obviously I'm going to adore Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. I'm just hoping he gets drafted to the right spot. Um, Cause I could definitely see him landing with a certain team and then just not using him correctly and just trying to play him off ball. And that's it. That's not how you use him. You got to use him in a specified role. And I was talking about that with Isaiah Simmons last year and, you know, Arizona, they didn't know how to use Isaiah Simmons right out the gate. They still kind of don't, they're still figuring it out. That's what Ubusu Koromoa needs. And I'll get, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Zayvon Collins because I find it interesting that you don't have him in your rankings at all. Zayvon Collins, just from a guys of his size, just don't have the coverage instincts that he does and the coverage ability that he has. It, it's just absurd of what he has in his arsenal in, in the coverage. Now, run defense, he could definitely work on that but I think he has the tools in order to get better at that if he gets coached up well in the NFL. But what he has right now instinctually is just rare for what he is. And I think that's definitely worth a first to second round pick. Uh, I'm wondering why you don't have him in the top five. It honestly, and I, I, I kind of should have, I wasn't, I, I mean, I, I like obviously Jabril Cox more than obviously the whole side thing we talked about that, but it's honestly not that I, don't like him. And I know some people have him as like linebacker two, linebacker three. Um, it's not even that I don't like him. I just am falling in love with Jabril Cox. Obviously he was at North Dakota state. And like I've said, we saw what North Dakota state brought to the table at the FCS level in 2019. Um, watching a lot of film, like I said, with other guys, especially Trey Lance, um, Dylan Radons, and then Jabril Cox, there was an unbelievable team that won 15 and 0. And I thought he brought a lot to the table and even making that jump to the FBS and going to LSU for this year. You know, I've made this point a lot, not a lot of, you know, great things about LSU this year um, after what we saw in 2019, but he was one of the bright spots on that defensive side of the ball. Unbelievable. So Zayvon Collins would kind of be like that linebacker five, six, obviously what you want to do with a side. Um, so Maybe it's me not being extremely high on him as other guys, but it's more just me liking other guys more than him per se. Totally fine. Get it? Cool. 
corners. Yeah, another position that's super deep, like yep. tackle and and uh, edge. Mm-hmm. So all uh, right, five Tyson Campbell. Ooh, uh, I have Asante Samuel Jr. Oh, I. All right, whatever. It's fine. Kind were you gonna put him at five? If you I remembered kind, him. Kind of forgot. All right, we're just gonna call an audible and. Uh, well, I'm gonna let you know, Tyson Campbell. I am not a big fan of Tyson Campbell. All right. Well, he's my sixth. Completely forgot about Asante Samuel. Yeah. Forget about it. So Dude reminds my... me so much of Kevin King. I yeah. and I don't need another one of those. <laughs> All right, Asante Samuel five. My apologies. That's fine. I do too. I have All him right. there too. Four. Greg Newsom. Caleb Farley, only because of his injuries. If he was healthy, he'd be two. All right. Three, Caleb Farley. Three, J.C. Horn. Two, Patrick Sertain. Greg Newsom. One, J.C. Horn. Patrick Sertain. So biggest thing is obviously I'll talk about this. You can talk a little bit about Greg Newsom because you're super high on him. I'm super high on J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, I've just fallen in love with. Obviously, he didn't play the last three games because of you know the whole situation with USC firing Will Muschamp. And then he opted out the final three games. But this guy is just a aggressive beast. I mean, he's willing to go up against any guy you put him up against. Obviously, with the Florida game, we saw what he was able to do. The Auburn game is kind of what showed he was unbelievable. Um, you know, just does an incredible job of presenting separation. His ball skills were improving as the year went on. Loads to like about J.C. Horn. Um, and I think that when you're looking at this, like I said, aggressive corner, who's not going to back down from anything. I think I love that for whatever team's going to get him in the NFL. Um, and then, you know, certain at two, um, I still love certain. And, you know, if it wasn't for horn, obviously he'd be my cornerback one and certain does so much. Right. And like we've been saying, that just goes to show kind of why that Alabama team was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of issues with, Patrick Sertain, obviously the Tennessee game is kind of what comes to mind. Um, you know, we saw the Florida Gators with Trevon Grimes had the 50 yard touchdown. He was kind of, I'm not trying to cherry pick or like pick out plays, but those kind of come to mind as concerns for at the next level. But, you know, love, love both of those guys. Uh, they're top 20 prospects on my big board. Uh, then, like you said, with Caleb Farley, love the story of Caleb Farley. Obviously the injuries has kind of been concerning, um, he's this wide receiver turn corner and he's done an unbelievable job with his two years, basically at that corner position, obviously went into Virginia tech being a wide receiver. Um, and then they've just made the transition. They've done an unbelievable job with that. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, obviously you have Greg Newsome, and I know from prior podcasts and just us talking together, you are unbelievably high on him. So if you want to kind of go into why that is. You can- yeah. Uh, Greg Newsome. Played in the Big Ten, part of the one of the best defenses in college football. Dude, I, I've said this every single time I bring him up, but like he's Jair Alexander, but taller. I mean, he's his footwork is already NFL level. I mean, he is fantastic. He's super fluid in the hips. He gets up all in your face. Like no no quarterback throws his way at all. I mean, no one ever targets him because there's just no chance to catch on him. Like, oh, I just love him so much. I hate, I suck at expressing opinions so much, but like (laughs) 
just everything that he has shown, I think he's already NFL ready. I think he's plug and play right out the gate. He does have some inner injury concerns, but I mean, when you're not getting bothered at all, no one's coming your way. You're already getting up in dudes faces. You're just smothering guys all the time. I think that's just incredible. And I know JC Horn, everyone's in love with JC Horn right now, and he's gone against a gauntlet of receivers in the SEC. Um, I just think his style of play, he's going to have to adjust, you know, because obviously going up against the SEC, he's going to have to try and do some things that would not be get, gotten away with in the NFL. Um, so he's going to have to adjust that. I think Greg Newsom is ready. I think he can just go right in and be a pro bowler right away. And that's kind of high praise, but. Fair um, enough. I just really like him. But uh, last position. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We're not doing kickers, punters, and long snappers. Brutal. Yeah. Sorry for the special teams crowd. Right on. All right. So, number five, I have Andre Sisko. I have Tyree Gillespie. All right. Number four, I have – let me find it. Let me see if I pronounce this right. Josh Hawa Bledsoe. Missouri. Oh, yeah. It's Joshua Bledsoe. Is it actually? Okay. My apologies. Like I said, not good with that. All right. Uh, What is your four? Uh, Jamar Johnson from Indiana. Okay. Number three, Richie Grant. Same. Number two, Javon Holland. Same. Number one, Trayvon Morig. Same. This safety position is just – I know we've we've (laughs) talked about uh, not – or incredible skill positions, but this is one of the ones that uh, isn't that good. Yeah, this and defensive line this year are the ones that suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got really good, uh, like, versatile, like, nickel and dime package safeties in this class that are really intriguing. Uh, but for, like, true center fielders, true deep middle guys, box guys, you're not finding a lot of value here. Um, but the guy that obviously stands out who would be – in one of those roles would be Trevon Merrick. I think, I think we can, he's been talked about a lot. I mean, he's just what you want in that. Um, So if he went first round, I I get it. I mean, he's just based on the value of that position and the lack of depth for this class. Uh, So if he went to like Jacksonville or Baltimore, totally would get it. Uh, But like I said, just a lot of the guys in this class are very, like sub package oriented, like Javon Holland, he's a sub package safety. I don't think he's like one of us starting strong or free. I think he's a slot that you can move around. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Richie Grant as well. Yeah. And not <sighs> yeah. to interrupt, but the one thing about Holland is obviously we see what he can do from like a pass, I guess, defending standpoint, he can kind of run with any receiver possible, but Another big concern with him is just his height. I mean, obviously yeah. we're going to see that like when he's going up against these extremely tall wide receivers and it just don't think he's going to match up brilliantly against them. So kind of one of the biggest concerns, but like you said, I mean, there's not like a true safety that really stands out here. Um, I think we can all kind of agree though, that Morig's like the safety one. Um, he's the best out of the bunch, but other than that, it's kind of just eh, for the most part. Yeah, 
there's there's not much to say about this safety class it stinks right on but what doesn't stink was this podcast so thank you guys for listening uh is there anything else you wanted to add though no uh we got a loaded draft month guys so it's gonna be insane um yeah just stay tuned we'll have like i said we'll have special guests fun games whatever whatever you can think of it'll be on the podcast but thank you guys for listening highlighted podcast uh until next time we'll catch you guys later